0: This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Patrick Briscoe.
1: And this is Father Joseph Anthony Cress.
0: And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. I suppose wherever you listen to your podcast is slightly ambiguous because it could sound like like physical place, like whatever city or whatever state or country or the surface of the moon. Uh, but I think that refers to the podcast app. Good clarification, Father Gregory. Um, So here we are, week two of Lent, uh, just really getting into things. Uh, Maybe we could start just uh, warming up to the subject matter by thinking about Lenten hymnody. Father Patrick, do you have a favorite Lenten hymn?
2: I do. Every year on Good Friday, I listen to Bach's St. Matthew's Chorale, the whole St. Matthew Passion, which of course features the chorale, which is uh, O Sacred Ed Surrounded. I absolutely love that hymn of music. I, I just think the melody, the lyric, the whole thing is just so hauntingly beautiful. For those who are yeah. interested, <laughs> the uh, Bach Society of the Netherlands, <laughs> uh, I forget exactly what oh, it is. No. Anyway, there's, there's, a, there's a society that's recording all of Bach, and mm-hmm. they have an extraordinarily beautiful presentation of the Passion Corral. It's a really great recording, high quality video, really great audio.
1: Boom! Ten out of 10 Oh, I mean, perfect. Uh, he he, kind of he kind of stole mine. I was going to say I don't know the entire corral, but the o Sacred head surround. That's that's my go-to, and it, it when you play, it's like okay, yes, it's Lent. It has a kind of solemnity, gravity, uh, the emotions that kind of just draw you into the suffering the passion of our lord and yeah that's my go-to so when i hear that i immediately think okay we're in the lent now um and yeah that's my go-to you really seemed more of a were you there kind of fried (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) that was the first (laughs) tear i shed publicly was were you there in like first grade yeah Okay. wait. Is that So a real stay story? tuned, listeners,
0: for the God-splitting spoken word Lenten hymnody album. Uh, it'll <laughs> feature us, uh, <laughs> Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Um, so, uh, as you may or may not know, if it were the 14th century, I would probably be in the order of flagellants, those kind of strange medieval types who sought every means possible to inflict punishment upon their bodies, as it was once observed to me at the Dominican (laughs) also studies. Hey, it's Gregory, a soul dragging a body about. Um, So I especially like Lenten hymnody, which it just gets just gets into it. So (laughs) that so the hymn, Ah, holy Jesus just devastates Mm -hmm. me because there are few more consoling things than having the opportunity to sing these words, who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my, ch- my treason, Jesus hath undone thee. T'was I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee. I crucified I
2: thee. I crucified <laughs> thee.
0: <laughs> you so can't good. get around that. There is no getting around that.
2: It's just like, <laughs> whose fault
0: is this? It's my fault. Right here. Who redeemed us? This you guy. did. <laughs> 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 oh, good. Okay. Well, let's get into it by saying the prayer which begins the sacred liturgy for the second Sunday of Lent. Let us pray. O God, who have commanded us to listen to your beloved Son, be pleased, we pray, to nourish us inwardly by your word, that with spiritual sight made pure, we may rejoice to behold your glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Father Patrick, would you read for us the first reading?
2: A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the communities of the earth shall find blessing in you. Abram went forth as the Lord directed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as
0: I was reading this uh, in preparation for today, I was reflecting on the fact that this is the first exegesis paper that I wrote at DHS, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it wasn't that good. But moving on. Also, the mention here of the Father's House, I think, brings to mind for all of us the Father's House retreat, which was a kind of staple retreat of focus campuses for many years there. And uh, we were kind of introduced into the retreat by Fathers James Brent and Benedict Kroll. Uh, who would go around from kind of regional gathering to regional gathering leading this retreat and there's a big emphasis there on the fact that we pertain to the father's house and that christ goes to prepare a place for us in that father's house but father james would do work explaining what the father's house meant in the kind of israelite or judaic setting and not only is it your nuclear family it's like all of your relatives and then all of your wives and children and all of your livestock, and then everything that pertains to the household. And it would be the source, not just of, you know, a kind of comfort for those at home, but it would be the source of your property, of your wealth, of your meaning, of your love, of the way in which you would engage with God and with his promises. And so for Abram, Abram to leave behind his father's house and be uprooted is a really radical thing, uh, in that he is, being uprooted from Ur of the Chaldees and then being planted in the land that is to be his uh, in light of the Lord's promises. And so, you know, we're thinking about the fact that we as Christians by virtue of our baptism are uprooted from the world and that we're planted in the fertile soil which our lord makes to sprout forth with grace virtue gifts of the holy spirit and all good things besides so this lenten season is an especially precious time in which to leave behind our father's house and to begin a life which will issue in the father's house which are the halls of
1: heaven As we as we look at these first readings, these Old Testament readings, uh, typically, especially in the seasons of Ordinary Time and and elsewhere in our liturgical readings, the first reading, the Old Testament reading, is always connected to the Gospel, pretty much thematically. Um, but what we find in the God, or the first readings of Lent is that they actually follow the major events of the history of Israel. So we started last week with the Garden Eden uh, creation. This week we, we move into Abraham, and we have these kind of hallmark and pivotal moments in the history of Israel. And you can argue whether or not um, the calling of Abraham is, is one of, if not the most pivotal moment. Uh, for the history of Israel, and what we see is the Lord calling out to Abraham to be uprooted, to leave his father's house, to be then rooted in the Lord, uh, in the land that the Lord has given him. But in the promises, in that calling, are blessings. In the repeated um, voice of the Lord calling him to blessings. And as we hear such a pivotal moment and such an important moment in the history of Israel, but also about our own lives, to hear the voice of the Lord calling out to us um, and to promise these blessings, he calls us to his blessed life. And he calls us to live that blessed life and a life of blessing here in this this world in preparation for the eternal life of beatitude in his presence.
2: One of the things that is remarkable about this invitation from God to Abram is that he's just taking him out from the land which he knows, from his father's house, from the place that he's comfortable, uh, to someplace else. So Abram is being taken away to a place he doesn't yet know, a place that the Lord is going to reveal him. And I think it's so important that we hear these words directed to our hearts at the beginning of Lent, because through the rest of our Lenten journey, the Lord is going to lead us to places that we do not yet know, That he's going to continue to afford us graces that will shape uh, virtues in our hearts that we don't expect. And so just as this invitation to Abraham has an element of surprise, it has an element of uncertainty um it requires great trust that's the word that the Lord is speaking to us in the invitation he makes to all of us this Lenten season
0: so with that let's turn now to our second reading a reading from the second letter of Saint Paul to Timothy beloved bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God he saved us and called us to a holy life, not according to our works, but according to his own design and the grace bestowed on us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now made manifest through the appearance of our Savior Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. I mean, in this in this letter that we have, the second letter to Timothy, it's that kind of second paragraph that is offered to us where he saved us and called us to a holy life, not according to our works, but according to his own design and the grace bestowed on us in Christ Jesus. We, we have this moment where we start to have to come face to face with the reality that our salvation is not according to our winning over the Lord, not earning the love of God or earning his forgiveness. And in this letter, we are confronted with that because it's not according to our works. It's according to his design, his generosity, his fidelity to each one of us. And in doing so, it's the grace that is bestowed upon us and it's according to his design. And this kind of gets back to that first reading that we were talking about um, with the calling of Abraham to allow ourselves for a moment to follow the will of god follow the voice of god to where he leads us and to let go of our expectations to let go of our designs for what we think should be sufficient for our redemption or sufficient for our forgiveness but in moving into that both these first and second readings show this ability to be attentive to the voice of God and follow Him, because it's His design, it's His work. It's not us who have done such a good job of living uh, an upright light that life that we have won the favor of God and thus won about our salvation. It's not according to our works, but it's according to Him and our ability to respond and follow Him in doing such, a, um, in, in following His call to each one of us.
2: I think that we don't preach often enough about heaven. Uh, so this is one of my tropes, I'm sure I've said it on the podcast before, um, because, you know, in the end, as a preacher, you've got a limited number of themes and whether it's your dissertation or anything else, you just sort of cycle through them. And that's what, <laughs> that's what you've got. So anyway, so one of, one of my beefs is that we don't talk about heaven enough. And we have an opportunity to here in this uh, in this letter of St. Paul this lesson to Timothy, uh, where we can find it, where, where do we slip this great pet theme of mine in? Well, this last line, that the Lord Jesus Christ destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Brought immortality to light, uh, which is great. You know, this, the promise here that the Lord is revealing to us is that in him, we can live forever. When I was a student brother, uh, I served at a hospice in Connecticut with another, another student friar, um, uh, now father, Peter Gouch, who's studying at the angelicum, uh, anyway, we approached a, a young man who was dying in the hospice. He was alone. And it turned out that, uh, as we would later discover that his best friend, his girlfriend and his best friend's girlfriend. So the three people that he was closest to in life had just recently died in a tragic car accident. Uh, So he's completely alone, and he's dying of a throat cancer and can't speak. He's writing on a whiteboard. And we walked up to the bed, and of course, you know, it's clear that we're some kind of religious something because of our Dominican habits. And this young man wrote on the whiteboard, who would think it ends like this? And right away, then Brother Peter Gouge said, well, you know, it doesn't have to end. Has anyone ever told you about Jesus? And from there, the conversation went on, lasting hours. And and eventually he was catechized, baptized on his deathbed, um, and and died an otherwise very holy death, having converted to the Lord. Now, we don't think about what the promise of immortal life can do until you're in a situation like that, where someone is facing their own death, saying, well, what else is there? And it requires a Christian to preach the word of Jesus, to preach the promise of Christ, uh, which is heaven, which is uh immortal life not just living forever but life with god uh, the complete uh, life of happiness the seeing of god face to face unveiled uh, which is really an extraordinary blessing and something that i think we should talk about more
0: um so i want to pick up on this theme of the life of christ and you said a particular thing in your reflection which really encouraged me in my own pursuit of sanctity. And you mentioned the word dissertation. So I thought I'd take that as a jumping off point for this year reflection on the life of Christ, because in the fourth chapter of my dissertation, I have a little part about Christ's predestination. Predestination is a word that many of us find uncomfortable on account of the fact that it sounds like Calvinism, but that is double predestination. But we as Catholics hold to a view of single predestination, which is to say that if you go to heaven, it's by God's grace. That's effectively what we are affirming. If you go to hell, it's by your free rejection of the same. But it's not like God gives us some third thing. He's like, I'm God. You're not God. Here's this thing. It's called grace. I'm gonna take it from over here and put it in your heart of hearts. And we'll call it cool. No, God just gives us himself. So when we talk about the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're talking about God giving himself to us so that we can participate in his very nature, his very life. And this theme of predestination, which is broached in this particular reading, gives us an insight into how that works. Because our Lord's humanity is chosen for unthinkably um, or exhaustively or abundantly, whatever, a lot of grace. Um, so I will just let that train of adverbs trail off into who knows where. But our Lord is predestined to the fullness of grace, to a quasi-infinite grace. And the grace that comes into our lives is his. It's just his his so that grace which fills his soul to overflowing does in fact overflow into our lives so we speak of him as the head of the church and we as his members we partake of the same life in the same body so i think that when we hear these organic images which describe our predestination in the sacred scriptures we want to back off from them and think like yeah i'm the vine you are the branches but like you're a vine over there and we're the branches over here nope same sap all right it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me that's probably just like kind of hallmark theology that st paul's just using to console whatever church at this juncture nope he means it All right. so i think that when we come up against these particular passages in the sacred scriptures we need to let the lord speak into the depths of our soul so that he can interpose his grace which is to say himself all right so with that let's go ahead and turn to the gospel if you'd read it for us father joseph anthony
1: reading from the holy gospel according to matthew Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone and they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
2: There are many fantastic things that can be said about this encounter of the Transfiguration, but one that I want to focus on is a theme that St. Thomas Aquinas picks up in this little book you might have heard of, the Summa Theologiae. It's mentioned from time to time by person's wearing white on this here podcast. Uh, So anyway, in the Summa, St. Thomas says, uh, he is asking about the situation and he's saying, well, what exactly did the disciples see um, in the transfiguration? And what it boils down to, we can make a few distinctions here so that I don't totally destroy all of the nuance that St. Thomas gives. But he says essentially that the disciples are allowed to see, in essence, the glorified Christ which is pretty cool. So they don't see the full glorified body because that hasn't actually happened, but because the soul is the form of the body, the disciples can see the glorified soul like the true essence of Christ is just revealed to them in this extraordinary moment. So there's some fun, you know, kind of time travel stuff going on there. There's some great uh Thomistic philosophy of philosophy regarding the soul and the body and their interchange. Okay, but what is what is really at stake? Why does this happen? Well, St. Thomas says it's to give the disciples' faith and confidence in the promises of Jesus through the Passion, because the Lord knew that what they were going to see was going to be truly horrific, and he knew that it would be a trial for their faith. And of course, he knew uh, that they would abandon him, all except for John and Mary Magdalene and the mother of the Lord. Uh, so he gave them, nonetheless, this great grace of the transfiguration, this vision of his glorified body afforded through a kind of clarity of essence in this moment, so as to encourage their faith in trial. Now for us, this moment is so beautiful because in the spiritual life, all of us have moments where Christ is clear, where his radiance, where his glory is made very present to us, and moments where we are not at the top of the mountain, where we go back down in the spiritual life and face the day to day. The point, however, is that Jesus allows all of us those mountaintop moments, those moments where His grace is clear to us, that we may cling to them, and they will be enough to sustain us through our trials. All right. Well,
0: apropos of the last reading, we talked about predestination, which is Tertullian's question twenty-three, but Tertullian's question twenty-four, some of us is talk about, about sunship
2: predestination. <laughs>
0: I was talking about me and the mouse in my pocket. Oh, what's that? You, you want to talk about St. Thomas again, mouse? Oh, fascinating! I didn't see that happening. You, you're just such a. a <laughs> um. So here on the mountaintop, we have a revelation of the Lord's sonship, and I just want to link that up with what you said, Father Patrick, specifically about those mountaintop moments, because we preach a particular form. And again, here I'm referring to the mouse in my pocket and yours truly of like Christian nihilism. And I say that in jest, I don't actually hold to something that could be accurately described as Christian nihilism. But I think that in certain Christian preaching, you hear the good life described in such glowing terms It usually starts with John 10, 10. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly revealed word of God. I believe that. And then people will transition to something that looks remarkably like the prosperity gospel. They're like, so you're going to get a new car and you're going to get a new house and you're you're." You're going to get a new humpback whale. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, You know, so when we hear those things, we are initially elated and then subsequently disappointed because it typically doesn't correspond to our experience. St. Thomas will say, for instance, that a sign of predestination is trial. All right. And if you experience nothing but earthly riches and success, that might in fact bode. What's the opposite of bode well, bode poorly, bode not well, um, right? So we can come to expect a certain rough treatment in this Christian life on account of the fact we follow our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered, died, was buried descended into hell and then rose on the third day. So not to leave that out of the equation, but there's a lot of suffering that goes on before that. So his deeds and sufferings are addressed to us for our salvation, but we need to meet them precisely as such as his deeds and sufferings. And so we get these mountaintop moments, these kind of sweet moments uh, where the Lord restores us replenishes us refreshes us, but also conducts us on towards the end, and to our eventual passion, death and resurrection. And I think that it's in those moments where you have a sense, a profound sense of the fact that we are sons and daughters of God. And I think, I mean, we've all experienced this in different ways in the Dominican life. And it's not always as you might expect. It's usually like we're on a four church walk, um, which is like a shortened version of a seven church walk. And it starts pouring down rain as we're walking from St. Matthew's Cathedral back to the Dominican House of Studies with Father Raymond Vandergriff at the ripe old age of 83, like buckets and buckets of rain. And here you are soaked, to the marrow of your bones, and yet kind of delightfully cognizant of the fact that you wouldn't have it otherwise, which is to say, you want to be a Dominican, you want to be with these men, and you're, you're just very happy. And if it involves tromping through like a tropical storm for some inexplicable reason, then so be it. Because you have a sense of you're fit And that's ultimately, like when we're talking about being in sons and daughters of God, we're talking about the fact that we fit in the very Trinitarian community, that we have a place, that our identity has been fixed for us. It's been revealed. It's been spoken by the Father. And then we can claim that. And then in light of that, we know that we have a mission. It might be modest. It might be silly. It might be whatever. Regardless, it matters because it matters to our Father. So I take great consolation from this passage.
1: I love uh, the transfiguration in here. We're uh, coming out of the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew is so maybe like bullish about presenting Christ as the fulfillment of Moses. And we see it with uh, the Sermon on the Mount. You know that entire sermon on the mount those three chapters at the beginning of matthew's gospel he's presenting christ as this new mosaic figure who's who's fulfilling the giving of the law the giving of a new law to uh teach the children how to how to live and not just how to live to avoid bad things but how to live now towards beatitude and blessings and all these other things but here is just another instance of matthew accounting this event in just the the similarities in presenting christ once again as this fulfillment of moses and we even there, there's many different ways to see it but one of the things that i find the most interesting is like why does he take uh, you know, peter james and john up with him why why those three well you know moses at the same time went up the mountain and he took uh his brother aaron the high priest and then uh, the two brothers uh was it nadab and abihu They took them all three up the mountain to reveal and encounter the glory of the Lord. And so we see that Christ in doing that is is fulfilling almost the same exact thing that that Moses did. And who are the two other figures that they encounter at the top of that mountain? It's Moses and Elijah. You know, the two people who went up the mountain and had a theophany, encountered the the voice of God speaking to them. For Elijah, it was the voice of God in a still small breeze. For Moses, it was a voice speaking in the burning bush. And yet, what is it that these three men, Peter, James, and John, hear, but the voice of the Father? And he claims his son. This is my beloved son. You know, this is this is him. And in that great theophany, they have this encounter with the full trinity from um, in, in the uniqueness that this Trinitarian moment is for the others Moses and Elijah they were just able to encounter these these momentary uh, kind of experiences of of God but in this moment they experienced the total totality of the trinity there and that as they walk by and and or as they walk down the mountain and carry that moment with them, that they become strengthened in this, just like uh, just like you were saying, Father Patrick and Father Gregory, that this is the edifying moment as they are about to embark on witnessing the greatest act of love that God could give his children, which is enduring the punishments for their sins, their suffering, enduring death, so that he can reverse it, so that he can overcome it. So I think it's for each one of us that these Sunday Gospels of Lent are supposed to be taking us in preparation to encounter the Paschal Mysteries, in throwing us into the deep end of the Transfiguration at such an early part of Lent is not by mistake, but it's a way to help us encounter and, and prepare, just like Peter, James, and John were being prepared to witness this so that it would they would have something to hold fast to in order to see the glories of the Lord. Uh, we too can enter into that in this gospel.
0: Boom. All right. With that, let's conclude f- with the prayer of the people from today's liturgy. Let us pray. Bless your faithful, we pray, O Lord, with a blessing that endures forever, and keep them faithful to the gospel of your only begotten Son, so that they may always desire and at last attain that glory whose beauty he showed in his own body to the amazement of his apostles. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening to God's Planning. Please follow us on social media, the likes of which I do not understand, but other people do. So if you are one of those people, please understand it in a generally God-splaining direction. Um, like the episode, subscribe on YouTube or your podcast app, and leave a five-star review. If you would like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, which we yeah, greatly appreciate, please follow the link in the description or the show notes. There, you will also find links to one merchandise, but two upcoming retreats. The first, well, all of which we have announced, but the first of which we've opened for applications. So that's our all comers retreat. So anyone age 21 and over is most welcome to join. Um, And we just made our first announcement a couple of days ago. So this is hot off the presses insofar as it's a publication like a newspaper, which it's not. So it's not hot off the presses. It's just news. Um, But it's June 16th through 18th at Malvern Retreat House just outside of Philadelphia, not too far from the airport. An easy little jog up the Schuylkill River school river hard to say in any context but especially when i'm the one saying it um so we're very much looking forward to meeting you there and to to growing the friendship which we have begun through the podcast so check out godsplanning.org for applications for the retreat more details and applications for the retreat boom all right no of our prayers for you please pray for us and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on godsplaining